Are you feeling discouraged today? This week? This year? Odds are, if you yourself aren't, someone close to you is right now. Discouragement is something that we all struggle with, whether it's related to our health, our marriages, our kids, our jobs, and a whole lot more. The question isn't, do you ever get discouraged? Of course, we all do. The question is, when you get discouraged, where will you turn? In our interview today, I'm talking with Lindsay Carlson about the discouragement that we all face and where to turn for true encouragement that won't let us down. Lindsay is a writer, a speaker, a mom, and a pastor's wife, and her newest book is called A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope from Crossway. Let's get started. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me again on the Crossway podcast. It's good to be here. So, Lindsay, the title of your new book is A Better Encouragement. And I think there's a lot implied in that title, in those three words, that I want to unpack today in our conversation. But to start off, do you find that many people are feeling like they need encouragement these days? I think yes. I think after a pandemic, people are very disconnected and especially having come out of a season where people were doing church from home. And so they may not be as connected to their church as they were before the pandemic. I think um, I've seen actually a lot of emails from women's ministry directors specifically speaking about how they are regularly hearing from their women, how discouraged people are. Mm. Do do you feel like women in particular are facing a unique situation? encouragement battle these days that maybe feels distinct from what you're hearing from men and what you're, you know, the the conversations your husband as a pastor is having with men in the church? So I think that any battle that we face is going to be unique to our time just because the, you know, we're always changing. I think that the desire for encouragement is probably no different than it was any other year that the world has been created. I think that it's always changing because we find new technology and we find new ideas and we like to um, switch it up. But I think that the longing for encouragement has been there in every season. I think that when women were raising children in the Bible days, they were just as needy for encouragement as we are today. Um, but I do think that the technology that we have access to um, does fuel a lot of disconnection with women. And I think that also we still have a lot of backlash from the power of positive thinking, even from the like 70s and even farther back. Um, So a lot of those things have gone into shape how women have been trained to look for encouragement. And so I think that you combine those two things together, kind of a, a poor understanding of where we should seek encouragement. And you put that together with this lack of connection that we've kind of developed. And I do think we are in a unique place in history where we're having to kind of re-navigate how how to find biblical encouragement. Mm. Yeah, I want to unpack both of those things that you mentioned, uh, both the technology uh, side of things and then also uh, this kind of positive thinking, the self-esteem kind of movement that we have all grown up in. Um, but maybe turning to that tech issue first, you said something very interesting right there. You said that technology has sort of fueled a feeling of disconnect that we we all, I think, sense, women maybe in particular in, in certain ways. Uh, that feels so ironic given that so much of the technology that we have, that we use, the, the promise of that technology is that it would connect us to each other and give us community in some sense. So unpack what you're saying when you say that that's actually not happening. Absolutely. So I think specifically with Christians, the struggle that we face 
is that we know that when we're growing in Christ, that we should be being sanctified, being made new in Christ. And so you pair us with technology that puts on a platform for the world to see how we're growing, what we look like. Um, I think that when you have Christians who legitimately want to walk in holiness, but we're growing and we're learning, but now you've given us software to filter out all the negative things in our lives and given us the ability to kind of create this fictitious image, um, I think it creates this tendency to want to withdraw because we don't feel the freedom to be open um, as we would in our real lives because we want to hide. It's just like we see Adam and Eve hiding in Genesis. And so I think that when we feel a lack of maturity or a lack of knowledge or any lack inside of us, we want to control that image. And so what we are connecting with is kind of not an actual, not an actual, uh, like a real picture of who mm. we are. So we are actually not connecting fully because we're connecting just on this very superficial level that only shares the part of ourselves that we want people to see. Mm. Or we we react like we might react to something online, and then someone pushes back, and you see this all the time where people you know blow up on Facebook or blow up in different social media areas. And then you have the immediate disconnection. You are completely disconnected from the person because they've blocked you or whatever it is because we can't handle f disagreements anymore. There's all these different ways that it's played out. And so I think that we we just start to filter what we're looking for, even filtering our news feeds into I only want to look at the people that don't make me feel uncomfortable. I only want to look at the people that have the same opinions that I have. I only want to look at people that share the same worldview as me. And so we're not being trained in righteousness in some of the ways that we were in previous years when we had to bump up against these differences in in the regular world. Hmm. It sounds like that you're kind of saying that when it comes to this technology that we have that purports to connect us to each other, maybe a big difference is that we have so much more control both over what we're seeing from others and even how we're presenting ourselves that that kind of allows us to, are you essentially saying it feels like it's a, a completely fake or a false world that we're kind of creating for ourselves? Definitely. Yeah. And I think that, I think that you, you see that happening. It's interesting because you can see women, and I won't speak for men, I don't know if they're doing it in the same ways, but a lot of women are very open to building online communities. So we can have book clubs online or we can have you know, this group of writers that I follow that writes the things that I like to read every day and feel encouraged. Um, but then you ask where are they plugged into a local church and then they can't tell you. Or they might be going to a local church, but they're not deeply engaged with people. They're just kind of showing up, getting their ticket stamps and going home. And so that begs the question, okay, so you want connection, you want encouragement, you may even want biblical encouragement. But if you're not willing to go and put the FaceTime in with actual people that can see into your life and actually press and ask questions and challenge and pray for you and bring you a meal when you're sick, then are you really desiring real, actual biblical community or are you desiring the feeling of encouragement? Mm. So what would you say to the person who hears you say that and maybe their first reaction is, uh, maybe a little bit cynical, and they kind of say, yeah, well, you're a pastor's wife, and so your experience of a local church and of the community there is way different than what I've experienced. I've, I've tried to be a part of that community, and I've actually found my church, uh, churches in the past, to be 
very discouraging to me. Mm, yeah. Well, I mean, I, so I think I have two reactions. I think one, my first is to probably be cynical also and say, yeah, it's a pastor's wife. I get that. <laughs> I see it. I see it. There's, you know, sinners filling the churches every single week that are filled with all kinds of um, hard stories and that say mean things and that have problems. And so I'm certainly not saying that women should come to the church because it is this pinnacle encouragement location that nothing will ever be difficult. I'm not saying that. Uh, As a pastor's wife, I probably see more of the uncomfortable, yucky, hard things that people are walking through. However, I think that what I would say is that I've also seen people grow through those hard things. And I've been able to have the vantage point to see, look how this person came in broken, bleeding, wounded, hurt, and just faithfully was walked with by women who loved her and how she grew and was encouraged in the faith. And in our own, in in our church plant, we have had plenty of opportunities to see that happen. And it's just beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And it is actually encouraging to the other people who are watching. They might not be the ones struggling at that specific time, but being together in a body of Christ, you get to see the witness of other people being strengthened through the word, through the preaching every week, through relationships with one another. So it, I, th- I would say that if you feel cynical and you do not feel like the church is an encouraging place, maybe you're not in the right church. Maybe you need to look at where you're going to church. Maybe you need someone to disciple you and walk alongside of you in the church. But that is not a lack in the church body. That That's a lack in maybe you haven't had the experience of seeing the beauty of the church. Mm. So I want to go back then to another thing that you mentioned earlier, uh, the kind of cultural air that we breathe today. Um, you call that the power of positive thinking uh, you say that that maybe has contributed to the feelings of discouragement that we are all struggling with at times. Can you unpack that for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that we, at least my generation, grew up being told by teachers, you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. If you try hard enough, if you apply your mind to it, you know, there's all these little kind of um, quips that we've heard over the years that have... Sl- Which honestly ahead. sound like a they're meant to be encouraging, right? These absolutely. Are, isn't that all really encouraging, positive thinking yes, for us? Yes, absolutely. And and we think positive must always be good. But positive isn't good if it's untrue, right? So if someone tells me, Lindsay, you, if you commit to being an astronaut in just one year, you too can be an astronaut. I'm sure there are people that could sell me a program and tell me that I could become an astronaut. But the The reality is that at my age and my season of life, I probably can't pay enough money to become an astronaut. I don't have the skill set. I don't have the giftings. And so I think I don't need encouragement in a place that is not strengthening me to do what God has called me to do or to be who God has not called me to be. And so I think it's very um, dangerous within the church when we give encouragement. And I say encouragement loosely because we... We use encouragement in a way that just says what people want to hear. So when we say what people want to hear because we know that it will make them feel good or happy or affirmed, if it isn't actually true and spurring them on in godliness and to obey scripture, then it's really not encouraging at all. It's actually discouraging because we're setting them up for disappointment and failure. So what are the types of, maybe we'll call them false encouragements that people are giving, offering to others 
that you would say kind of arise out of this power of positive thinking mentality that we've all we've all been uh, grown up in? Okay, so one right off the bat that I can think of is that, you know, we went through a season where name it, claim it was a huge problem, right, in the church. We don't necessarily fall into that anymore. So I don't necessarily have have Christian women coming up to me and saying, oh, Lindsay, if you need a new car, you just declare it's yours and it will be yours. But I do have women say when I say, man, I'm really struggling today, like my kids have been really hard um, or I'm really dealing with a lot of anger right now about a situation. I do have women say, Lindsay, you got this. You've got this. You've got this. And I think, I don't got this. Like, you do not see what's going on in my house right now. I'm actually a mess and I'm struggling. And so I think that sometimes we speak what we want to be true into other people's lives. Or like, you know, if you're if if you have a sick kid that you don't know what's what's going on with the diagnosis, you don't want someone to come up and say, Lindsay, I know that God is going to heal your son. Because we don't know if God is going to heal him in the way that we want him to be healed. Mm. I don't need to tell a pregnant woman, oh, I know that God is going to give you a baby because you are just going to be the best mom. That's horrible encouragement if that's not God's will for their life. And so I think the when I when I think about false discouragement or false encouragement and why it is so discouraging, it is because it labels something as truth that we want to give someone courage with. But we don't have the authority to be using that to give courage to them with with those words. Mm-hmm. Another thing that we'll sometimes hear uh, both about the church and Christians today, but even more broadly about our culture in general, is that we sort of live in a coddled age where we have been we've have uh, been pushed with this positive thinking message and this self esteem message, and that maybe that has uh, contributed to a sort of emotional and mental weakness that maybe we have. Do you think there's anything to that? Is that part of the story in this conversation about why we're always feeling discouraged? Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually think maybe what it is and it has been in my life has been that because I want to be a strong Christian, I want to be strong in the Lord, right? I genuinely want to please God with my resilience. I genuinely want to please God with the way that I handle my emotions in different situations. And so when I'm actually discouraged, it's really kind of embarrassing to admit because it feels like I'm admitting spiritual failure. So I think sometimes the weakness that we are feeling, we forget, oh, well, but Christ is made strong through our weakness. We forget that little piece. And so we think that it is more um, honoring to God to say, I'm okay. I'm not afraid. I know that all things work together for the good of those who love him. You know, than it is to say, Lord, I'm broken and I need your help. Mm. Um, so I think we we are anemic when it comes to lament. We don't know how to lament hard seasons. And so we just fake it till we make it by just kind of talking about how we feel strong when we don't really actually feel strong. And then I think the other the other arm of that is that because just like in Job's day, we have so many people that are such bad encouragers. Some just because they've never learned and some because they're prideful. I don't know. But um, because we don't have a ton of really great encouragers always surrounding us, I think we have kind of gotten hesitant to admit discouragement also because we don't want to be hurt. We don't want someone to give us um, false promises. We don't want someone to come in and tell us, you know, really, if you did this, then you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be so discouraged. If you just did this a little bit more, you could fix it. People think that they have solutions that 
the Lord didn't intend for them to offer. So I think that I think there's kind of a lot of reasons why we tend to kind of hide that that discouragement. Yeah, and we can tell so quickly that those things, we know they're not really the encouragement that we need. They kind of fall flat so quickly. But, but So you just talked about how we can, we have this tendency to try to hide our maybe discouragement from other Christians. We're not always as open about that. But it does feel like that's like the one side of the spectrum. It seems like there's also others, though, who are perpetually open about feeling so discouraged. And it's like they're never... There, things are never going well. They're always down. And that feels like that's where maybe sometimes you have the, you're great. You know, you've got this. You can figure it out. You're strong. You're powerful. You're brave. Um, yeah. So how do you balance that? It, to me, it feels like those are two kind of different poles. That yeah, you're right. Are still you're happening. Right. And that's kind of how we live, isn't it? Like on one side or the other and mm. sometimes ricocheting between them. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. There are a lot of people that just kind of set up camp in the week in the weak side, you know, and they just kind of think, well, that's just who I am. That's how I live is perpetually weak and broken. And look at my hashtag bless mess, um, you know, and and I think that that that's the kind of um, p- the posture that I think what it tends to do is become very all consuming and very self um, focused. And mm. so I think that when you see encouragement used throughout scripture, it isn't just being used as a pep talk. God is not firing down words just to kind of get your motivation up so that you'll power through a workout. He has grander plans involved with his words that he speaks to his children. And typically, those words are to encourage the body of Christ. They're not singular. They're not just for you between your own private moment with you and the Lord. And so I think that when we think that encouragement is only about us, we stay in that place of weakness because we're getting something from it, right? Mm. So the more that I just kind of lean into my weakness and say, you know, this is who I am. I'm just always going to be weak. I, I'm needy. Then it becomes a way to gather love, I think, from others because rightly the church should see the broken and press in and want to help. And so if we perpetually have loving people who are running to the broken— but then we have broken people that are not taught to strengthen weak knees and make their hands strong, then they're going to be perpetually needy. And that's not the goal of Christian living either. We're supposed to join and encourage one another to be strong, right? So I think the 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 drawback from staying weak and never seeing encouragement for what it's meant to be is that you kind of become a mooch on the body of Christ mm. because you're so self-focused uh, on drawing encouragement for yourself from other people and maybe not even, I'll say specifically from people, not from the Lord, yeah. um, that you often have to learn how to see only the Lord as your encourager first. And then when you start to see that, you start to think, oh my gosh, I want to pour this out. I need to be overflowing this into other people's lives. So I think the that the more the Lord encourages us, the more we begin to turn and encourage one another within the body. Mm. So before we actually started recording, you made a comment that uh, it's kind of ironic that this book, A Better Encouragement, is coming out right now in the midst of a season that has maybe been somewhat discouraging for you. And you've wrestled with that maybe more than you have in other times. Uh, I wonder if you could explain kind of what's been going on and what that's been like for you. Absolutely. So it's it's interesting because I signed a, a contract to write a book on encouragement. And then I think maybe two months later, 
is when the pandemic shut down everything. And my five children came home from school and needed to be homeschooled. And I had a book contract to write. So that was never in my plans to write a book (laughs) during a pandemic while church planting with my husband. And uh, and also in a part of the country that's not super familiar to us. We live in the mid-Atlantic right now. And so church life is just totally different than the world that I grew up in in Texas in the Bible Belt. And so when we were trying to acclimate to all of the different ways that churches function here um, and trying to connect with people relationally in ways that are very different than we're used to, um, we often felt very disconnected from people, even though we were trying to connect you know, during pandemic, you don't have those natural mechanisms anymore. And that was already stripped down from what we didn't have before the pandemic. And so we found ourselves very discouraged in a time where we couldn't do anything about it. And so I think those are the moments that kind of strip you bare and make you go like, I cannot control this. I cannot control whether our church grows or shrinks or closes. I cannot control whether my kids go back to school today or tomorrow. I cannot control whether or not I'm going to have a fresh brain when I wake up to finish my writing. And so I feel like the Lord just allowed me to be in this season where I felt perpetually discouraged because he wanted me to see, I sustain you by daily mercy. I am the one who has called you. I am the one that will make a way. And uh, right as I finished up this book, actually, it was hilarious. It's hilarious looking back. It was not hilarious the week of. But <laughs> um, but we were in Texas because I thought my parents could maybe help us with kids while I was wrapping up. And I went down a water slide and broke my collarbone. Oh, no. Like, I'm almost 40, and I broke my collarbone on a water slide. That sounds painful. It was very painful. And then I caught COVID in the ER getting oh. my my uh, shoulder treated. So instead of like wrapping up my book nicely and neatly, you know, I'm like trying to type with my arm in a sling when I'm supposed to be immobilized. And, you know, and I just had this moment where I wanted to just be able to look at the Lord and say, what are you doing? How, mm. how could you do this to me? I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do the best that I can. You know that I'm struggling. And I was thankfully at the end of the book to have gained the traction that I had gained to say, this is not a reflection of how I'm doing. This is only another opportunity to turn and and ask the Lord for help and to depend totally on him and to say, this is not about my identity. This is not about whether I succeed or fail. This is 100% about me knowing my need for Christ. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a discouraging season in that there have been lots of obstacles. But the sweet thing about it is, and you'll notice I actually dedicated the book to the women of our church plant because those women were what sustained me through hard, hard days because they are a people who love to biblically encourage one another. We've Mm. grown a lot together in that. And so even when it was, you know, life was discouraging, I, I knew I always had sisters that would send me a Bible verse or send me a prayer and not in a, um, not in a phony way, not in a way that felt that feels like dismissive, but in deep, rich ways where I felt like I was being lifted up to the throne. And I want to come back to that in a minute. The how do we how we know how much to be looking for our encouragement in God Himself and in the truths of the gospel and in our hope versus looking to other people, other Christians even, to help us feel encouraged. Because I think sometimes we wrestle with knowing, am I going too far? relying on other people 
Um, but then other times we can say, I'm reading my Bible every day, and it doesn't, it's not like it's making this huge difference. But before we get into that, um, is part of the the struggle that we have with feeling discouraged, does it come out of the fact that we f- we aren't prepared, that that is sometimes just going to be the reality, that we have to sort of accept that there are seasons when we are discouraged? Is that part of our growth as Christians? Yes, I think it's part of the Christian life. I mean, I was thinking the other day about when Jesus is praying before going to the cross and he's in the garden and he's begging his disciples to stay awake and pray, you know, and how discouraging that must have been for him to come out of the season where he, I mean, this immediate time where he knows he's about to go to the cross and find his very best friends asleep. And he's saying, like, you can't watch and pray for one hour with me. I mean, the discouragement that Christ would have felt in that. I mean, I think that we we assume that if we are living obedient lives and um, fully submitted to the to the counsel of uh, the word, that we shouldn't be discouraged. But if Christ was discouraged in his final days and was without sin, then we should expect to be discouraged. And then you look at uh, Paul's missionary journeys and you know, how he's going through all kinds of ridiculous storms and being shipwrecked and all of these things. And he's constantly telling us to encourage one another. Why might that be important? Well, because I think Paul expected it. Paul knew that we would be discouraged. And he knew that we needed to be upheld by people who were familiar um, and fluent in the language of the gospel and of Mm. Christ. So sometimes we hear uh, encouragements to look at scripture or to read to go to God in prayer as we feel discouraged and we can kind of feel cynical that that's not really going to help. It, it feels like any other self-help thing that we've tried and hasn't really proved fruitful. However, other times I think as Christians, we, the thought of going to God for encouragement, it feels like it's the opposite of what we want to do, maybe because we constantly feel like we're failing God or we worry that God is always disappointed with us. And so that the thought of going to him actually feels very discouraging because it feels like I, I, I don't I don't want to go to him. I'm just going to feel worse. Uh, have you ever struggled with that? Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll go one further. I mean, I think not only are we afraid of like disappointing him, we also can kind of subconsciously think, and God, you're the one that made this happen. Mm. Like if I believe in a sovereign God, you could have controlled this and you chose not to. So how... How comforting is it to go to God when you know he is the one that allowed this really hard season of suffering in your life and that he is also telling you that it's for your good and for his Mm. glory? Like that's extra hurtful. You know, that's that's something that I wouldn't necessarily say to someone who isn't walking with Christ at that moment because I know how that would land on them. And so I think that as Christians, when we have the theology that is able to say, I believe that God is completely sovereign over all things, then we may not put that together at the time of discouragement. But deep down, I think we know, like, God, why? Why would mm. you withhold this from me? And that's the that's the thing that kind of comforts me about, like, Abraham. Like, when Abraham is asking questions um, about, like, okay, how is this going to happen? Like, you've told me you're going to fulfill the promise, but I haven't seen it. Like, are you really sure? You know, this wasn't even my idea. What What is going on? You know, and there's... The, the promise of a, a son... And yes. uh, offspring. Yes, yeah. yes. And he's not seeing it immediately, right? He's not praying and then seeing it tomorrow 
or even in the next year. And so I think that sometimes we think of encouragement in the same way, where we think if I pray for encouragement right now, then in two minutes, my phone should ring and I should have a text message from a friend with like an encouraging scripture. But so often, don't we we perpetuate that thinking because of the stories that we tell each other? You know, I, I can think of a few examples even from the last month or so of of people saying, you know, hey, I want to just share this amazing story when God showed up. I prayed for this thing. I was struggling in this way. And then later that day, I got that phone call or got that email and things worked out. I feel like we set ourselves up to expect that. And when it doesn't happen, we feel discouraged. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's be- I think that's probably just because who is going to read a Facebook timeline that's filled with people saying, I prayed today and God didn't answer. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's, <laughs> that's not, not newsworthy. We don't we don't post about that. But that doesn't mean it's not happening to people all the time. And I remember my kids when they were little, um, each kind of going through a phase where I would say, you know, I know you're scared. I know that you don't want to stay in your bed in the dark, but you need to pray and ask God to help you. And they would say, he's not listening He won't even do anything, you know, and those are the moments where faith meets doubt and we get to challenge it and say, "Okay, Lord, I don't believe this about you. And I need you to convince my child that you are God and that you are going to help him. And I need you to help him feel your presence, you know, and I'll pray with my kids when they go through that. But I think that encouragement and our lack of it is is very similar in the way that it kind of exposes doubts that are actually there, fault lines that exist in our faith, where we just think like, I know that God is good and I know that he provides good, but I think he only provides it to her. Or like, I think that he only gives good to that person because they lived a perfectly righteous life up until, you know, or they were they were born in the church, so God must give more things to them. And so I think we are all sort of like little kids that want our father to prove himself to us. And God allows doubt to come in so that we have to push up against it and say, oh, this is this is not honoring to the Lord that I still don't believe what he said is true. And so I have to come before him and say, I'm sorry, Lord, I don't I don't trust you or I don't believe you're good or this pain is too much. Even if it's something that's not like sinful, I think sometimes in, you know, just when they're suffering to be able to come to the Lord and say, I know that you are with me when I'm suffering, and I don't feel that, actually. So I'm going to need you to show me and to convince me. And it's not going to be something that we necessarily are going to, like, blog in five seconds, like, and then the doorbell rang, and it was this. You know, like, we we want it to be immediate. And the Lord is, um, there's a scripture that says the Lord waits to be gracious for you. And I just think that is so hard to take in and to say, but why would you wait, Lord, when you don't have to wait? You could give it to me now. But for some reason, he waits to be gracious because he knows what's better for us. Hmm. So how do we know when we are relying too much on other people, even other Christians, even good Christian friends for our encouragement rather than fundamentally, first and foremost, seeking encouragement from God? Absolutely. So I think for me, it probably began when I at some point noticed it was probably when my kids were really little. Anytime anything happened that I was upset about or worried about or um, even just curious about, my first instinct was to pick up the phone. It was always I need to ask so-and-so like, oh, so-and-so would know the answer to this or oh, so-and-so could help me with this or oh, oh, my goodness, I don't have the money to pay this bill. I need to tell so-and-so to pray. Um, I regularly see women that will text uh, groups of women asking for prayers 
but there I'm quick to uh, to observe that their prayer lives do not seem robust at home. So when when we're only asking other people to pray for us and we're kind of only seeking other people to encourage us, I think that's sometimes a sign that that like we don't know the words to say sometimes. And and I don't mean that to say to sound shaming. I was like that for a long time just because I had not learned how to ask the Lord for what I needed. And I had not been in the Bible long enough to understand even what to think or say. And so I think that if our desire, though, is to go to people and to hear their words, um, I think that that's that's a pretty good sign. And I think the other thing is that we can look at the encouragement that we provide to others is our first instinct when other people come to us to say, this is what I would do. Let me just tell you, like, I know the solution or, well, you know, I always said dot, dot, dot. Um, I think that if the encouragement that we regularly provide is not the counsel of God's word, we also probably don't highly value that as the most encouraging thing we could possibly provide someone. Mm. But you and I know that the word of God is the counsel that we all need, right? And so I think that's one of those uh, those tools that I think that as we grow in our knowledge of the word, our our ability to encourage one another is strengthened just because our vocabulary is growing in the word of God. Mm. Yeah, scripture can just come to mind then in those contexts, and it can be so encouraging when it's just sort of there. But if we if we don't have it in our minds on a regular basis, it, it's not going to it's not going to rise to the surface as often. Which is why I think women do tend to reach out to one another a lot, because if, you know, if they're going to the word, um, and this is a real problem, but if they're going to the word and they're opening it and they're not finding understanding and they're not finding that warm, fuzzy, wow, I feel so encouraged and comforted right now, then they are naturally going to want to go to a person that does deliver those feelings, right? And even if you have a friend that you know that they're going to give you the biblical, you know, counsel, you might be drawn to them because you like that they tell you about what the Lord has to say, or they might be giving you good advice. It's biblical advice, but it's the, um, I think that when we are lacking in our, in a robust understanding of scripture, I think that we do naturally crave more encouragement from people because we're trying to learn to digest the word for ourselves. Mm. Well, and your comment a minute ago about prayer and how we will share prayer requests with other Christians and, and, and genuinely get prayer. And that's a great thing that we all want to do and need to do. But I, it was very convicting because I think about my own life and the way that I share prayer requests and how often I might share something with a group, but I haven't actually prayed for that myself. Uh, and that, that does start to, you start to wonder, well, why are you really sharing that then? Is it because you really do are seeking God in that? Or is it because I want the encouragement that other people are going to give me even just by praying for me. Um, But I'm not actually going to God first and foremost. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there are good in both of those things, right? Like, I mean, I think it's sometimes we I think we share prayer requests out loud like that on the fly. And then you go, oh, man, I didn't even realize that was bothering me until I said it out loud. And I think sometimes people are just verbal processors and you notice and think, oh, wow, I should be praying about that. But then I think that there are other times where the spirit may do that kind of thing in you and like prick your spirit where you say something you didn't really even have on your radar. And then the spirit does invite people in the group that are filled with the spirit too to speak into that in ways that are specifically tailored and unique to encourage you. So Paul also says that um, that if we're beside ourselves, it's for God, and if we're strong, it's for others. And so we are 
we are taking encouragement that the Lord has granted us and using it to provide courage to other other people, one another. And so I think that sometimes like those prayer circles are not just like a, a time for listening to our own voice and the words that we are saying, but to listen to the prayers of the saints and to be encouraged in ways that might not have um, come into our mind and heart mm. if we were alone. Mm. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for taking some time today to talk to us about uh, not just our discouragement, but how we can find encouragement from God and His Word and His people. Uh, we appreciate it. Absolutely. That was Lindsay Carlson on finding true encouragement in God. For more, be sure to check out her book with Crossway, A Better Encouragement, Trading Self-Help for True Hope. Pick up your copy of the book for 30% off directly from Crossway by visiting crossway.org plus. That's crossway.org plus. For more interviews like this, subscribe to the Crossway podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. That helps us spread the word about the show and tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Crossway is a not-for-profit Christian ministry that exists solely for the purpose of proclaiming the truth of God's word through publishing gospel-centered content. Visit us today at crossway.org.